the Culinary Libertarian Podcast, episode 16. Welcome to the Culinary Libertarian Podcast, where the philosophy is free, but the food is on you. Welcome back, everybody, to the Culinary Libertarian Podcast. This is Dan Reed. Happy to have you back, and I'm happy to be here. Head over to my podcasts page, culinarylibertarian.com slash podcasts, and find and follow me on all of my social media icons. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel there. Uh, Please do Support the show through Patreon or Bitcoin. Every little bit you contribute helps keep the lights on, so to speak. Uh, Lastly, please head out to Apple Podcasts, find and rate the show, and please give me a positive review. The more reviews the show gets, the higher it moves up in the rankings, and then more people can listen. And the more people who are listening are the more people who get cooking. And the final final is please share the episodes on social media to your Facebook or Twitter friends, anybody who likes to cook or anybody who likes to eat. Share these episodes with them and let's grow the audience. Today I want to talk about harmony. Harmony is, well, in things not music, balance, symmetry, and the easiest thing to happen with harmony or without harmony is obviously disharmony. So harmony, disharmony, balance, imbalance, it's kind of the yin and yang. I was given a reason to think about harmony when one of my Facebook baking groups, a young baker, had posted a photo of some croissants that she'd made. Well, if I'm honest, they weren't very good. Now, there's two parts to the observation, either visual or taste, that something isn't very good. The first part is the thing isn't very good. The second part is the effort that went into making the thing isn't mitigated. It just means that the effort that went into making the thing, her croissants, wasn't enough. How do you know when it's enough? When the croissant comes out right. So in my cooking career, which probably like most cooks' careers, starts off just jumping into the deep end of cooking and just doing, picking up some skills and developing some habits along the way, and they may be good habits, they may be bad habits, putting all of these skills, all of these abilities together uh, into, into your kitchen behavior to become a cook or to become a baker. It's the, the process is mostly the same. The vehicles are different. Baking and cooking end up being very different, even though they sort of look the same because they have heat and they have stainless steel and they have ingredients, and uh, it's not the same. It's, it ends up being very, very different. So as I'm looking at this young baker's work, I, I responded, and, and I tend to respond in something positive. Sometimes I don't respond at all if there is no invite for, yeah, what do you think? Uh, if it's just there, then I'll walk on by because it's just, it's just not that important. And she asked a question and I responded that even though today's croissants weren't perfect, there's a chance tomorrow to come back and do it again. And the harmony comes to the dough 
by coming into work with, oh, this young baker's post with these croissants and her frustration that they weren't as she wanted them to be. She asked the question, don't you just sometimes hate bread? Well, my answer, my answer to her query was no, I never hate bread. As I grew in this profession and had the grace of working with and for uh, certified master chef Jack Shoup. Jack came at things as most experts at a thing would, but even with a little bit more, we would say, an Eastern philosophy. And uh, Jack's big thing for all of his young cooks or seasoned cooks was come to work, come to your food, come to your stock, come to your dough with love in your heart and grace in your hands. The croissants didn't work because the dough didn't work and that it's not the dough's fault. The croissants didn't work because the baker didn't do what was necessary for the croissants to work. Now, Jack would take it far enough to say that if the dough didn't work, then the hate in your heart for your product came through your fingertips and into the dough and your negativity produced negative results. Now, I recognize that that's not entirely going to be accepted by a vast majority of people, and that's fine. I happen to believe there's a lot of truth to the idea that in a craft, writing, painting, cooking, baking, if you have negativity in your body, in your mind, in your heart, in your hands, that's going to show up in the finished product of whatever the thing is your craft produces. So in my answer to her, Facebook doesn't really allow long-winded philosophizing. I mentioned to her, find harmony. Come to work with love in your heart and grace in your hands. Every day is a new chance to make the dough the thing that it wants to be. Uh, this is the part two of the sort of weird thinking thing is the food knows what it wants to be. Well, <clears throat> how is that possible? Come on, this is, this is getting crazy. Well, the croissant knows it's supposed to be a croissant, and it's just a very simple thing. Now, the steps to get there and the skills required to get to a croissant is certainly not a simple thing. Making a bannock is a simple thing. Making a biscuit is a pretty simple thing. But the steps require a balance. They require a harmony. And there's a precision, and this is where baking is different than cooking. If you shortcut the steps in baking, now I'm not talking about mixing a cookie, although you will get less than perfect if you shortcut the steps. If you're going to shortcut the steps on Danish or croissants or bread or puff pastry, the final result will definitely be less than perfect. Uh, in cooking at the stove, the high heat and the immediacy of what's happening in the pan allows for a fair bit of alchemy. We can adjust a lot of things, and every, every plate will be mostly the same, but every single dish that's made, cooked to order, is not exactly the same. After all, they can all be really pretty close. High-level baking and pastry work requires harmony. And if I maybe continued a moment of indulgence, the philosophizing and the lessons of patience and harmony come down to one pretty simple little thing, which is 
Don't overthink. Don't overdo. Be Gene Simmons. Keep it simple, stupid. Now, in honesty, simple isn't always easy. Uh, it's a bit of a mind-bender to figure that one out. Simple may be harder than easy because simple does require a rigor and an order and a following of steps. It requires a discipline. Easy would just throw everything in a pot and stir it and call it done. And it took me a little while to figure out the difference between simple and easy. Uh, it was brought to my attention by a cookbook author, and I honestly, I don't remember who she was, but it was a multi-stepped, multiple-ingredient recipe for roast duck with lots of stuff. And she said, well, this is an easy recipe. I thought, well, this, this doesn't really make any sense. Well, it turns out that it was an easy recipe, and it, was in, it had multiple steps, but it was simple. Doing it easy would have negated all of those steps, thrown everything together, and it would have been just memorable for its badness, not memorable for its impressiveness. And I think that is the other end of how to understand simple versus easy. Um, I was in the habit when I used to go out to different restaurants uh, of ordering the most difficult dish possible to make if they allowed uh, special orders to be had, which was angel hair pasta with garlic, fresh diced tomatoes, fresh herbs, and extra virgin olive oil. It's the hardest thing there is to do because there's nowhere to hide in making mistakes. So you can't make mistakes. Everything has to be spot on, right. It's simple, but it is not easy. And that's, I, I hope, a decent illustration of what the difference can be. They can maybe simple and easy both taste the same, but the final presentation will be substantially different, and the and the diner's appreciation for both will be wildly different. Uh, another very simple thing to do is pancakes. On my Culinary Libertarian Facebook page, I have a photo of pancakes on the griddle that um, some point in the last several months uh, I was making, and I thought, wow, I should take a picture of these because these are just really cool-looking, impressive-looking pancakes. From that picture, I've had some engagement to, where's the recipe? Where's the recipe for these pancakes? Well, it's up on the blog, so I took care of that part. But pancakes, everybody probably has a recipe for pancakes. Uh, more than a few probably open the box and follow the directions. Well, I don't use box pancake mix because there's no reason to do that. They're very easy to do. One of the things I discovered in making a wide variety of different pancakes was the vast differences in procedures. I've found some really good recipes for pancakes, and they're all generally pretty straightforward. I ran into one recipe for pancakes, which was very, very different. And that's the one that's on the blog. And the initial difference is the single egg, or if you double the batch, the two eggs, whole eggs, are whisked till frothy. Who does that? I thought, well, this is just insane. Why am I going to take this extra step? I did it. And man, worth every minute. So the easy part 
would be to make this recipe the way I've always made a pancake recipe and just say fine whatever or follow the procedure have the discipline to make the steps in the order provided and get something far greater than my expectations and uh, I've done a few little tweaks and one of the tweaks is I put the sugar in with the eggs yes I know bakers but we're moving quickly with the egg and the sugar together and whisk that and as the egg is whisked with the sugar it gives it some more structure which helps keep the volume of the pancake nice and high so a little bit fluffier a little bit lighter and that's one of the things about this pancake that I like so much more than all of the all of the other ones is it's not the same it is a step above and that's the thing that makes people go how the heck did he do that it's it's simple so then it's just a matter of adding the melted butter adding the flavoring the vanilla adding the flour adding the leavening in an order and the order kind of like the muffin method which we discussed back a few episodes ago is adding the dry to the wet and the sugar and the egg are the wet and the buttermilk and the melted butter and not over mixing harmony don't overdo it let the dough rest for a few minutes it needs time for the flour to hydrate it needs time for the flour to absorb the liquid around it and those lumps that you think you see aren't really going to be an issue because as the dough starts to rise as the as the batter starts to rise because the chemical leavening is doing its thing it's making carbon dioxide as the dough as the batter starts to move some of those lumps will be exposed and they will be absorbed by the liquid and they'll be all mixed together and then the last thing is as you're scooping you're doing the last little bit of mixing so this is the simple part of making pancakes but those little steps make a big difference when I was chefing I had some young men and women and they both got these gifts I was in the habit of giving a Christmas gift to all of the cooks and not all of them got the same thing it was tailored to some degree to their personalities or their interests one young man got a, a book on beer because he was very very talented uh, beer brewer and did a really bang-up job and uh, actually made some beer for my rehearsal dinner uh, a thyme and parsnip beer it was spectacular it was very good uh, another young man got a book that I had been given as a gift although I bought him his own copy of letters to a young chef and this is written by chef Daniel Ballou who is very very famous for very very good reasons he's a spectacular chef comes from Lyon France and has written for the young cook for the young chef just a little kind of open letters addressing in part harmony not just with food uh, harmony and balance in one's life let's take a moment for a word from one of my affiliates Folks, start the new year off on the right foot with the right snacks. If you work in an office, chances are your snacks are pretty bad. Well, there's a fix to this problem, and it's Snack Nation. 
Snack Nation is a snack subscription service that offers junk-free snacks delivered to your office every month. Get the good stuff delivered right to you. Visit culinarylibertarian.com slash snacks to sign up and harmonize your snacks. Visit culinarylibertarian.com slash snack for snacks you want to eat. culinarylibertarian.com slash snack. The tagline at the beginning of the show is the philosophy is free, the food is on you, philosophy of cooking does apply, in my opinion, to parts of life. Order, harmony, balance, these things matter for our own personal well-being, but they also matter because of the well-being of the people around us. I've noticed when I am out of harmony, it aggravates everybody in my house. So I have a vested interest in finding balance and finding harmony. If I can project harmony and balance on my children, who seem to perceive my imbalance with a radar precision unknown to human technology, they get unbalanced and things just get tense and that's not good for anybody. So balance, order, harmony. Believe me, I, I miss my mark often enough, but it's not for lack of trying. When Chef Shu presented me this idea of harmony and a very specific example and discussed the idea of do what the food wants, I was making some smoked mullet. So we were in Tallahassee, Florida. Smoked mullet is a big deal in the South, especially in Tallahassee. And I didn't really quite do it as it needed to be done. So his comment and was, do what the food wants. And I inquired, well, I don't, sorry, I, I'm, I, my ears aren't listening right. Now, of course, the food wasn't talking, but it is an intuition and, under, and it is an understanding of the ingredients. So what fish wants to have happen to it, if it's going to be smoked, first there is the step of cleaning the fish taking the sides of the fish off of the carcass, um, brining them, well, i got to make the brine, uh, taking them out of the brine, putting them on a rack so that the skin, the flesh side of the fish can form what's called the pellicle. The pellicle is the thing, uh, it's, uh, it's a little sticky, kind of tacky, and that sticky tacky thing is what's going to hold the smoke, especially when you're doing a cold smoke, say, for example, like a cold smoked salmon. Uh, even on the hot smoke thing, the heat's going to permeate, but you also want the fish to hold on to the color made by the smoke of the wood so that it has the attractive light brown color of a smoked fish. Well, my first attempt, I was more eager than wise, and I didn't brine and pellicle and all that stuff. So I went and got my handy-dandy book about smoking, found out what brine I need to make, made the brine, put the fish in the brine, put the fish out of the brine, followed all the steps, and it was as it ought to be, a proper, delicious, well-smoked fish. So, 
the fish knew more about what it wanted than I did, mostly because I hadn't been paying attention. So to my young Facebook Bakers group member, there's every reasonable expectation that she wasn't paying attention to what the croissant wanted to be. Uh, the croissant wants to be light and airy and extra crunchy on the outside and big cavernous holes inside. doesn't want to look like bread. Um, making it look like bread is both, I mean, that's, that's kind of a sign of not really super proper croissant. It's also, so it's simple, but it ain't easy. And you can hurry up a croissant dough and you can make the right shape and it can look right, but it will not be right. Simple. Not at all easy, and it might be entirely that there's a skill or two that she hasn't achieved, and one of those skills could be the patience of waiting the right amount of time between rolls. I don't know. All I saw was the finished product, and there were lots of problems. Understanding the thing and knowing how to get that finished product created is part of the skill and the craft of this particular skill and craft, baking and cooking. Uh, I don't really know the first thing about painting. I don't draw particularly well. I don't, I don't even attempt doing these 3D kinds of drawings on paper that people do, and I'm amazed, but I don't understand light and color and shade and shadow and it's it's a craft and skill I have not developed because I don't think I have it, and I admire those who can do it. This is something that I have a better understanding of and still work at getting a better understanding, but that's my own personal quest, and, and that quest doesn't need to be yours. You have your own. So on this particular Culinary Libertarian podcast, episode 16, uh, it has been... Uh, a bit of the philosophy, um, and I'll give you some of the food ideas and the recipes on the blog for the pancakes. Uh, there, I'll even link to the recipes for the croissants. You can look through that. Croissants are worth trying. There's a few skills that you can acquire before you get to that level. Making a Danish or making some puff pastry are some similar skills to croissants. Uh, it, there's no reason not to try them with the possibility that you're afraid of failure. Um, the good news is that they'll probably taste good and the people who love you will love you enough to eat them and they will taste good. Um, but try. Shoot for simple. Try the difficult. So those recipes plus the link to the Daniel Blue book, Letters to a Young Chef, will also be on the show notes page. I think that's going to do it for this week. Uh, I do have some interesting interviews scheduled for the next couple of weeks. And if everybody, if everyone is able to have an interview, then I expect some really interesting conversations coming up. I think you're going to like them. I'm looking forward to them. So I hope that you are too. So go bake, make some pancakes, there's some muffins to make, work on your croissants, and I'll see you next week.